This is a Boardwalk Audio podcast. I just drink wine. Well, hello and welcome to the wine situation where shit about wine gets real. Really fun. That was cheesy. I'm so sorry. Hi guys, welcome to the wine situation. Why does it feel extra echoey in here today? Maybe I'm imagining it. I don't know. Anyway, so what is the wine situation? Well, the situation for many of us is that it is pandemic. It is uh, ever, um, unfortunately, recently increasing pandemic situation going on, particularly in Southern California. Yay. So what that means is we are not hanging out and drinking with a lot of other people. We are hanging out with uh, either our housemates or ourselves. And, you know, nobody should have to drink alone. So I, L. Clifford, I am here to be your drinking friend. I'm also here to make you laugh, hopefully. I mean, hopefully your friends make you laugh, unless you're like someone who hates to laugh, in which case you just tune out now. Um... (laughs) that's vain of me. I'm like, I will make you laugh. Uh, So yeah, I'm here to teach you about wine a little bit, make you laugh. I'll probably rant about food here and there. Um, Talk about life, talk about myself, talk about goth things sometimes. Oh, okay. So I I am qualified to do this. Uh, As I said, Elle Clifford or Ellen. I feel very confused. I'm still in the transitional phases, guys, where some people call me Elle. Like, there's certain contingents that have now met me that way. And then others call me Ellen. Anyway, uh, you know, I'm nearly done with my diploma from the Wine and Spirit Education Trust. I am a certified sommelier with the Court of Sommeliers, uh, Court of Master Sommeliers, which, (laughs) oh, guys. Okay, I'm going to weigh in on the drama in a future episode, but I'm still kind of putting together my thoughts and actually kind of writing something about it right now. But, you know, um, I, I'll, I'll, I'll talk more about that later. Uh, I write for Delectable. I write for Venice, which the first time I heard someone mention it, I thought they were calling it like Venice, like the city of Venice, V-E-N-I-C-E, but it is in fact Venice, V-I-N-O-U-S, like, you know, whiny. Is that the definition of Venice? Is Venice, I heard someone say it means it smells wine. I don't know, guys. I should look that up before I do this again. So that's that's the dealy bob. We're going to have tangents that will come after segments, although I think I already got on a tangent. But that's that's what happens in this podcast. So I hope you're down for the ride, because I am. Whew, it is 10.18 on a Thursday night. I'm getting this done earlier this week. Hopefully, by the time you guys get this next week, um, it's, you know, everything still stands. I don't know why I said that. I think it's just everything feels so apocalyptic right now <laughs> that I feel like I have to preface everything with, like, just so you know, this was recorded when. Okay, so, you know, little check-in. Uh, like I said, I'm a little, as usual, unhinged these days, but feeling a little more positive about some stuff, a little less positive about other stuff. That wasn't vague. I would love to know how you are. If you're in the wine community, how are you being affected by all this going on with the quartermaster sommeliers? Are you sad because you were trying to get higher credits there? Are you glad? I don't know. I would love to know. I'd also love to know what you're drinking. 
I always want to know what everyone else is drinking. And you're almost lucky that I'm only your virtual drinking buddy because I'm also the person who's like, I want to taste everything, 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 everything. You can all just kiss off into the... Oh, sorry. Um, Violent Femmes moment. That was a callback. Not a callback. That was a flashback. <laughs> should we have an agenda? I think we should. It's been a week or so without it, I think, but we will be having a who, what, when, where, why, wine. Um, it's the bones upon which the vegetarian or sometimes just vegan flesh of this podcast hang. Uh, you know, so I'll be dropping clues throughout the episode and you can try and figure out what wine, uh, sometimes it's more a wine region. This time it's more like a wine producer. Um, you try and figure out what I'm talking about. Uh, we will be having a wine that, uh, it's, well, the woman was paramount to it and she's also paramount to another winery I found out. Uh, this year, I believe, sadly, was... Well, I'll tell you more about it later, but um, it's, it's a woman was important in the making of the wine we're going to have together. Uh, by the way, have you poured yourself something yet? Have you... Uh, uh, you know, just go go to the wine fridge, go to the kitchen. Um, you know, if it's morning, make yourself a cup of tea. I don't know. Have some coffee. But if, if you are feeling it, I would love it if you would join me for a glass of wine. That would be awesome. So that way, when I cheers, I can imagine you cheersing back at me with whatever you're drinking. So go go, go get some wine if you're feeling it. Um, we're going to have a Just Add Wine, which we haven't had in a while, so that'll be new. And, uh, you know, by then, throughout all this, I'll be dropping clues. Then we'll be ready for the, re- the reveal of what I was talking about. And then we will all go on our merry ways, because I don't think I'm going to have a who, what... I can't talk. I don't think I'm going to have a um, a final five questions recorded before this airs. So y'all will just have to sit tight. Not that everyone's been like clamoring like the episodes where there isn't one. They're like, where, Ellen? We missed it. No one's been doing that. Uh, yeah, also feel free to weigh in. Like, you know, send me, find me on Instagram. I'm on there as Ellen Clifford or the wine situation. Email me, text me. I don't know. Tell me what segments you enjoy on this show and which ones you could do without. That would help me please you. And I am, well, no, actually, I don't think I'm a people pleaser. I think I'm a stubborn artist. Hmm. Okay. Well, I I should get move on with it. Your who is actually several who's they are bernard hippolyte several guys with the same name and one with almost the same name who i think is like one of the more recent of the generation so so you get the feeling this is a producer who's uh been around a while and also it's a family uh still i think somewhat in the family that was vague anyway bernard hippolyte several guys with the same name and another guy with almost the same name Okay, what are we drinking today? Well, this is by Anne-Claude Lefleve. It's Claude Denel, 2016. Grolu? I don't know how you say that grape, guys. I'm so sorry. I always thought it was Grolu. Grolu? It's spelled G-R-O-L-L-E-A-U. This is from the Loire Valley. It's biodynamic. It is... Val de, Lu- Val de Loire is the, but I think it's more, well, let me read you more about it. 
These vineyards have been biodynamically cultivated since 2000. Significant financial difficulties and a call for aid from the previous proprietors brought the property to Anne-Claude Lefebvre's attention. Now, before I go on with this, let me tell you about Anne-Claude Lefebvre, because I don't know why I hadn't really heard that much about her before. Uh, sadly, she, she died in 2015. She was only in her 50s. She is of the famed Domaine Lefebvre, which is from, which is uh, a winery, a winery, a, a, a property, a winemaker, a producer, whatever you want to say, in Burgundy. She had taken over for them and she really like helped cultivate their name, their winery in the name of being biodynamic, sort of like was a ringleader in that uh I it was so sad to I first saw her picture and like I was reading about her and then all of a sudden I the next link I see was like her um uh obituary and I was like oh no because she seems she seemed really cool uh, so anyway, she was down in Burgundy doing her thing, getting famous and stuff. And then, you know, the proprietors were like, hey, this winery needs help. Let's, <laughs> let's call one of the best in the fucking business. And lucky them, Anne-Claude Lefebvre picked up the phone. In 2006, Anne-Claude and her husband, Christian, Christian Jouk, had created a company to help new biodynamic wine growers take advantage of their established commercial network. In order to assist this struggling venture, in 2008, they purchased the domain, domain, which had not produced any wine for three years due to lack of means. It was a moment of serendipity. Oh, I love that word. For the abandoned vineyards in the Lefleve Jacques family, cultivating, culminating with the arrival of Sylvain Poutet, well-versed in bio, uh, biodynamic viticulture, to be their estate manager. Christian Jacques concludes that we have not chosen Claudinel so much as Claudinel has chosen us. So I think that's really cool. And I'm really excited to try this wine. I grabbed it because I was, I'm working on a story about women in wine in the Loire Valley. And uh, so, yeah, that's how this one came to my attention. <clears throat> What else can I tell you technically about this wine? Uh, the property is comprised of 10 hectares, which equals 24.7 acres. Wow, I don't know my conversion at all. Of vines on gently sloping hills surrounded by open countryside, the highest point of Clodinelle offers a glimpse of the Loire in the distance. From here, an uninterrupted view unveils the sky and the river on the horizon, as well as rows of Goyou. Cabernet Franc, Cabernet Sauvignon, and Chenin Blanc. As with Domaine Lefleve, all of Claudinelle's wines are 100% biodynamic. Oh yeah. I also looked up a little on Groyou, because you rarely see it as a standalone grape in a wine. So go, Anne Claude, for being a rebel. <clears throat> Groyou makes, uh, this is, I just found on uh, some website, shoot, I... Uh, who was it? I, I think it was an importer. Gouyou makes a fine partner to Gamay in Rosé d'Anjou. That's a type of rosé. And among the bubbly categories of the Loire, it is used in celebrated Cremant Loire, blah, 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 blah. So apparently, I, I think Codinel is mostly in Sommer then, which is a subregion of the Loire. Uh, it also makes less popular, yet racy, rustic, yet subtle. Well, oh my, racy, rustic, yet subtle? Damn. Um, this... Wine sounds like a vixen, a subtle vixen, which makes it all the more vixen-y. Um, it also makes less popular, yet racy, rustic, yet subtle red wine with sour cherry, herb, and leather qualities. Well, I'll be 
<laughs> I'll be the judge of that. Um, Psalm Secret. Though it is used predominantly for rosé wines, its berries are deeply black-colored and takes its name from the French word grolle, G-R-O-L-L-E, grolle, meaning crow. Oh my god, you guys, this is a goth wine! Go use a goth grape! Holy cow! It's a dark grape named for a crow. That is badass. I am very happy that I picked out this wine. So what's going to happen now is I'm going to cheers y'all so I can taste this wine because it's just been sitting here staring at me with its moody, gothy self. And uh, then I will get into... Oh, wait, I didn't read you the winemaking notes. Hold on. 14 month on finally is 30% burgundy casks used five times before. Oh, those are some old casks. I guess, um, in ancient troglodyte cellars cut into the limestone hillside on the property, and 70% in large foudre. Foudre is a berry, um, a berry, a barrel size slash shape. I should add this. I have a list of uh, barrel names now going along with my list of, um, shoot, hold on. I got to add this to the list, guys. Hold on. Okay, I'm back. I think I mentioned that I have lists of bottle shape names, I have lists of soil names, I have lists of winds, lists of currents, lists of vine training names, and now also barrel names, because there's just so many fun wine words to know. Okay, dudes, before we get any further, cheers. Ooh, oh my god. The nose alone, you guys. Ha, huh. okay, hold on. Holy moly. I don't even know what to say. It's a good thing I don't have to say anything right now. Um, I'm going to take another sip, and then I'm going to give you another clue. Jeez, you guys, this wine. Fascinating. Okay. Um, so your who was Bernard Ippolit, several guys with the same name, and another guy. I don't know why I keep going into random country accent. And a guy with almost the same name. Your what? What is a monopole in Chablis that happens to be one of their estates. Uh, this monopole, a monopole means like a vineyard owned with only one owner. Because in Burgundy, see in Burgundy, a lot of the vineyards, like it's very divided because of Napoleonic law, dividing vineyards into smaller and smaller portions. But monopoles are when like one producer owns the entire vineyard. And so this is a Grand Cru vineyard, actually. It's called La Moutin, La Moutin. Although actually technically, I don't think it has the AOs. It doesn't have technically from the EU it's it doesn't really make sense it really is a grand cru it's considered a grand cru they're even allowed to put grand cru on a label on the label but for some reason it's also not considered well in chablis in see in chablis grand cru is just like one area and then it's vineyards this is way too complicated it's you guys burgundy is so complicated <laughs> anyway uh the this producer owns a monopole the the monopole of la mouton in chablis and which is technically not a grand cru but it's grand cru okay all right you guys now we're gonna play the game that it is it is not actually a game unlike who what when where why wine uh, it's the game that wants to be a game, because uh, we play it, called What's in the Glass. So I walk you through this tasting as though I were, like, blind tasting it. 
and then you know we can see what other people said about it. So this is indeed a deep color. Uh, this is 2016, by the way, so I think I can see a little, it's getting a little garnety at the rim. Uh, red wines tend to fade and get a little more garnet with age. I mean, this isn't that old, like four, nearly five years, but um, it has, a, it's fairly translucent though. Like if I were just looking at it, I'd be like, mm, maybe Pinot Noir, I don't know. Um, I would never guess grow you in a blind tasting, guys, never. Uh, I mean, maybe I should never say never, but I probably wouldn't. Uh, the tears are medium thick. The nose, as you might have guessed, it's medium plus. And guys, there's, I mean, maybe it's the biodynamics, but there's some barnyard funk going on in this. I know people aren't supposed to use the word funk anymore to describe wine, or people are like, I am so tired of the word funky. But I mean, this is barnyardy. And maybe that's not the right thing to say either, but what am I going to say besides I get a little hint of manure? <laughs> like, what else am I going to say? I guess I could just say I get a hint of manure. Like, kind of sweet manure, though. You know, like you're out having a hike. Oh, this is hiking down the Grand Canyon. <laughs> so random. This is, uh, you're hiking down the Grand Canyon, and, you know, you got to watch out not to step in mule poo um, manure. Medium plus, but that's not all. There's also, like, it's like a little spicy. It is peppery, a little green peppery. It is what I would call Venice, but apparently the person who, like, viney. I would call it viney. It's got that, like, dried vine thing. It tastes, it tastes, it smells like, it smells like it's wise. It smells like it's a slightly dried out, like, wise sage. Not the herb, the person, a person. Okay, let's get into some structure on the palette. Mm. So dry. Put acid at medium plus. I think alcohol maybe. I mean, the tannins, the tannins are coarse. Um, the coarseness of the tannins seems to correspond with like the barnyardy. Is this what they mean by this wine is racy? Um, yeah. The, the tannins are a little coarse, but not, like, unpleasantly so. Like, just smelling this wine, you kind of expect it to, like, rough you up a little bit in a pleasant way. Like sandpaper. No, that's that, that makes no sense. Ignore that, guys. Okay, hold on. Um, alcohol level. Hmm. I'm going to put it at, like, 13? I don't think it's that high. I don't feel my nose hair is burning. Hmm. Let me say 13. Yeah, okay. Ah, uh, or is it? I'm, I'm, part of me wants to say 13, 5 or 14. Hmm. But I'm going to say 13. Okay, uh, the body is medium. It is, for all its tannic, tannicness, tannic nature, it also feels light on its feet. So not only is this sort of a dried out sage of a person, this this is a nimble. Is this Gollum? <laughs> is this wine Gollum? Except for like 10 times more pleasant. Uh, I don't know. Let's talk about what I taste. Hmm. Ooh, you get a little floral, like a little rose petal going on in there. Yeah, I mean, it's very much red fruit. Um, the red cherries, cranberries, currants. And guys, just so you know, I have gone out and tasted 
um, or at least I've gotten like black current and red current jams so I can know the difference. So I can know my currents. Just in case you doubt that I know currents, guys, I just want you to know I spent some time and money researching currents. <sighs> okay, um, all the red fruit, it's a little floral. It's still, it's, I, I mean, I've never tasted manure, so I can't say for sure that this doesn't taste like manure, but I don't think this tastes like manure. I mean, you get it more on the nose than you do on the palate. Um, it definitely has that, like, oh, it feels like that dried, I mean, maybe it's just, it's the texture going with the flavor, everything working together just gives it this sort of, like, dry but light on its feet, but, like, wise feeling and as it keeps opening up like okay i have to be honest i don't know that this is a wine that i personally offhand would be like i'm in the mood for a wine like that but once i start drinking it i'm like this is this is cool i like this i'll keep drinking this i want to i want to get to know this wise glass of wine um it's it's tasty it's not like one i personally probably would be like i'm gonna go out of my way to drink that but now i also Really want to taste what else um, Clodinelle has to offer besides Gru. Um, how about the finish? Mm. And there's a lot of breath across the palate of this. I just felt like I should say something like that. I feel like critics are always saying stuff like that. And technically, I guess I'm a critic now, so I was like, I guess I should be critical. Um, finish is medium plus, it goes on. Um, and you get more of the florals and the, the herbs on it. Yeah, you definitely get some herb on it. Like on the nose, it was more like peppery. On the palate, it's more herby. This wine is quite complex. P.S. I chose to drink this out of my Zalto Burgundy glass, one of the ones I rarely use, but it just seemed like the I thought this wine might need a big glass to like breathe a little. And I think I was right. Hmm. Um, okay, <clears throat> let's see what wine enthusiasts said about this wine. A rare red goyou. This wine has earthy aromas. Oh, that's another polite way to say uh, uh, horse shit, mule shit, is earthy. Um, although when I say earthy, I'm thinking more of leaves and soil than... Anyway, um, this wine has earthy aromas that lead to black fruits. Lies. Lies! These are not black fruits. These people were blinded by the color of this wine. And firm tannins. Well, they are firm. I will agree with that. Um, produced from biodynamically grown grapes, the wine is still rich potential drink. Oh, they say drink from 2021. So I was supposed to maybe have given this another year to age. I think it's okay to drink now, although maybe the tannins will be a little more integrated in like a year. <laughs> if only I'd gotten to to find out. Oh, that was a sneak attack yawn. I'm so sorry. You guys heard part of that. I like paused the recording halfway during it. I'm. It's only 10:39. It's not late. Um. Yeah, I don't know where they're getting this black fruit from, but maybe they tasted it like fresh out of the barrel. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, this is just this is fascinating. Okay, that's enough of me babbling about the wine. Let's get on with another clue in who, what, when, where, why, wine. Um, who is Bernard Hippolyte? Several guys with the same name and another guy with like almost the same name. What is a monopole called La Mouton in Chablis? When, your when is 1831, when Bernard, who you heard about earlier, founded a wine trading business. Okay. 
it's time for another installment of Just Add Wine, in which I take a experience, a thing, an activity, a theory sometimes, and add wine to it. Uh, this one may be cliche, it may be overdone, it may be too too, it may be obvious, but sunset. Wine plus sunset. The two are made to go together. I think sunset to me, something about sunset is a very visceral, like looking at the sunset sort of ignites all my senses. Like when I look at the sunset, maybe it's something about, it gives you that sense that we're on this round earth that's turning because that's why the sun sets, so to speak. And I always get this feeling when the sun is setting, like I can feel the earth beneath my feet extra strong and I can feel the air in my lungs and I, I, I can feel the earth turning. I don't know. And so it captures my sight. It, I guess it doesn't capture my ears. Although sometimes at sunset, that's when you start to like hear the cicadas if you're in the Midwest or the crickets, you start to hear like the, the nighttime creatures coming out to play. Uh, so yeah, it gets, it gets your sight. It gets your ears. If, if you're me, it gets your sense of touch. Adding wine adds smell and taste to it so you really like to me it rounds out the whole experience of sunset now there's a lot of different uh types of sunset and places to experience sunset and i think different wines are merited by it for instance i was thinking about summer i was thinking about summer on your friend's balcony uh summer on my parents patio unfortunately my little balcony like it's not a great sunset view um maybe a little bit of a moonrise, but not much of a sunset, <clears throat> pardon me, or like, you know, you're on a, on a restaurant terrace and it's hot still. So what you really want is the sun goes down and you want it to match the sky. You really want a glass of just ice cold rosé, not ice cold. You want, you want your rosé cold though. Um, those are my sunset recommendations for like summertime rosé when it's hot. Well, I guess it, yeah. Um, then in winter, I kind of go into two camps. And by the way, I keep just like revisiting the swine and like every other sniff, I'm like, more earth and barnyard. And the next one, I'm like, more flowers. You know what? I'm still not like black fruit. It's still red fruit. Hmm. So then I was thinking about winter because also here's the thing with summer. By some, In summer, by the time the sunset comes, like it's been a long day. Sunset comes late. So you're like really ready for um that's you're ready for that relaxation time whereas winter there's something sort of like extra cozy and a little bit naughty about sunset wine because like sunset sometimes comes you know five in the evening and either you want to me well okay i'll be honest unless it's summer because sunset comes so late i don't tend to drink wine until the sun is down as you can tell i didn't even get to the recording this podcast till after 10 at night um, so I associate winter sundown wine with being back home for the holidays. And like a lot of times it'll get to be, it'll get to be that hour where you're like, what are we all going to do? Let's watch a movie. Cause I always bring my SAG after screeners for the SAG award voting home. Cause it makes me seem important to my family. I don't know if it really does in, in my head. It does. Um, so to me, like sun, uh, sunset wine in winter feels a little bit naughty. Um, and, and also a little homey, like 
and a little holiday like this is not a thing I do in winter normally but like this is what you do when you're when you're doing things different and so either either it's a cold cold winter day and you really want like that like a spicy red or like a rich red like I think last time I was home in St. Louis, we when it was movie hour, <laughs> when it was movie hour, we opened up a really lovely Kaur, which is a Malbec, um, also like Zinfandel, very good sunset wine. Really? Okay, where was I? I had to take a quick little break because I, I had my pandemic person coming through. Um, I consulted him on what his uh, sunset wine would be, and he said the, the Malibu wine, they make wine in Malibu. Um, their sparkling rosé would be his wine to drink at sunset, which I was like, I think that's a pretty good call. Uh, I'd take that. Um, oh yeah, I was talking about wintertime and like where it's cold. So either you want, you want like that spicy, rich red wine that just is like, this is winter drink. Or, and this is controversial, but this is how I feel, is sometimes I feel like the, when it's really cold, I just want a really, really, really cold drink to go with it. So to me, like an ice cold martini, that's not wine, but an ice cold martini when it's freezing cold outside. And when I make a martini, gin or vodka, I know that's controversial. I should just be like, gin, 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 gin. But no, but here's the thing is I like a lot of vermouth. Not a lot, but, but a good amount, like maybe one to two parts. Kind of like you're making a Manhattan, but with instead of uh, whiskey, gin or vodka instead of sweet vermouth, dry vermouth. I don't know. And then like no olive because I fucking hate olives, but like a nice little just lemon twist. Oh, that is a delicious ice cold drink to have when the sun is going down in winter. Or, you know, just get like an ice. Oh, I think I also once in St. Louis, it was movie time and the sun was going down and I opened an Albarino and that went well because it was like a white wine that was good, really cold, but it had a little body um, I'm like just really sexualized Albarino. I'm so sorry. So where else? I feel like we've attempted to have a few hike sundown wines, but usually by the time we get to where we're going, the sun's already down. Um, but I, the, then obviously you want something refreshing because you're hiking. You definitely don't want those spicy winter wines, uh, unless you happen to be hiking in the tundra. I don't know. I think I said before, I don't know what a tundra is exactly. It's an expanse of ice. I'm not sure, guys. I'm not an expert. Um, the one place maybe, you know, that you wouldn't want to have sunset wine is alone. Unless you're having it with me virtually. But um um Okay. That was your just add wine. Let's get back into the game that actually is a game. Who, what, when, where, why, wine. Your who's are Bernard, Hippolyte. Several guys with the same name and one with almost the same name. Don't worry, I'll tell you what those are when I reveal it. Uh, your what is the monopole La Mouton, spelled M-O-U-T-O-N-N-E, in case you were worried about it, in Chablis, which is spelled C-H-A-B-L-I-S. Um, your when was 1831. Your where is, well, clearly Burgundy, because I mentioned Chablis, but it's not just there. Um, it's in Chablis, it's also a few different places in the Côte de Nuit, it's also a few different places in the Côte de Beaune, but particularly Pomard. It's also, dun-dun-dun, in moulin Vent, which is a crew area in Beaujolais, so that's a lot of places. 
I hope you guys have figured this out by now. Uh, before I give you your why, you know, if you feel it, go like leave a rating, leave a review. It helps. And then, you know, go say hi to me on Instagram. I like it. Okay, your why in this game is because you want to drink along with the movie Uncorked. Because they both show the bottling of this wine, and they visit the winery of, and they talk a lot about this winery in the movie Uncorked, which is a great fucking movie. If you haven't watched it, watch it. Um, so the, who I was talking about is Albert Bichot. So Bernard Bichot was the person who first like founded uh, in 1831 the, the trading wine trading company under that name, under the name of Bichot. And then it got like passed down, and then there were several Alberts, Alberts, and then there was an Alberique. And yeah, they have a lot of, so they now have several states with different names. Like Albert Bichot will always be on the label, but then it'll be like mainly under the other. Like to wit, the Monopole, La Mouton, Chablis, is owned by their state called Long Depecuy, which also makes wines in other places, Chablis, but. And then in the Côte de Nuit, you have the Clos Frontin and the Chateau Gris, which is like on a castle, I think. Um, in Pomard, you have their label Pav Pavillon, Pavillon. Oh, my French is so bad. And in Moulin Avant, you have Domaine de la Rouge, Rouge Gray. I'm so sorry, French people. Ugh. Okay, so that was your who, what, when, where, why. Wine is Albert Bichot, because he makes a lot of wine in Burgundy. And actually, I mean, a lot of it's really good wine. I'm trying to think if I have a favorite. Hmm. Hmm. I'm pretty sure I've had Long Depecuy, and it was great. Um, I'm pretty sure I have not had the Roche Grey, the Moulin Avant. Um, I've had the Pavillon. Yeah, anyway, uh, I recommend giving it a whirl. They certainly liked it enough to feature it, like, non-stop and uncorked. I really was confused by that, because I know, like, one of the people behind the movie was um, Dylan Proctor, and he's, I think, still works for um, uh, Grange, Pinfold's Grange. Uh, and so I was like, hmm, why is there so much B-show? Why are they not talking Australian wine until, like, right near the end of the pivotal scene? He's like... Show me that baby Grange. Sorry, this is like wine insider talk. Uh, okay, this wine. Closing thoughts on this wine are... It's still racy. I'll give it that. It's still hearty. It's still like leaping out of the glass at me. Um, I think it's delicious. I think I would drink it again. I think I'd maybe have it with some sautéed mushrooms? No, no. Guys, no drunk dial tonight. Uh, go forth. Drink good wine. Take a load off, uh, drink it at sunset if it's not sunset yet, maybe, and tell me what you're drinking at sunset. I don't know. Uh, this has been fun. I will talk to you next week. Cheers. Glass! I just drink wine. I don't fuck with my I just drink wine. I don't fuck with men I just drink wine. I don't fuck with coffee mates. I just drink wine. This has been a Boardwalk Audio podcast. For more information and shows, visit BoardwalkAudio.com. Don't forget to rate and subscribe now.